Hi, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Style Files podcast. I'm your host, Paloma Contreras, and I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, design editor and industry veteran, Robert Ruffino. Robert Ruffino has had a long and storied career in the design world. Beginning with visual merchandising posts at Henry Bendel and later on at Tiffany and Company, he also has extensive experience working in the world of shelter publications. He's held posts at Architectural Digest, House Beautiful, El Decor, and most recently at House Beautiful, where he serves as style director. As style director, he oversees the style and design aesthetic of the brand, leading partnerships with designers, managing the coverage of interiors, overseeing all photography, and mentoring young designers as well. Robert is one of the most elegant men in the industry. He is a man of impeccable style and immeasurable kindness, and I'm so delighted to welcome him today. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Sort of getting used to um, this work from home thing. I think I've had enough practice at this point to have it feel a little bit normal. How about you? Well, I'm lucky enough to be up here in Rhinebeck, in a little sweet house and great property, and just to go outside in the morning and have my coffee and walk in the garden. It's uh, a little bit of paradise. Well, that sounds lovely. But I do miss the office, and I do miss the tower, and I do miss my work team and going on shoots. But, you know, it's it's a new time and it will pass and we'll go back to our our routine in time, as they say. Well, sure. I can only imagine how challenging it, it must be to produce a magazine while in quarantine. <laughs> what has that yeah. been like? Well, it's a lot of Zoom calls and meetings and, you know, everything takes longer working with my assistant you know, with emails and just getting back to people and, you know, looking at projects online or on the computer. And it's so, like, I love having stories printed out and put putting them on the wall. And even when we're working on, like, September, you know, we have everything lined up, but let's move this here, let's move that there. It's a little bit challenging, but I think, you know, going on three months, we're getting used to it. Uh, but listen, I'm very, very grateful that Hearst has been so incredibly gracious. Uh, there are no job cuts, no salary cuts, and we're all working and, uh, it's, it's happening. You know, we produced the summer issue online. We're just finishing and fine tuning September and we're working on October at the same speed. So, which is great. You well, know. that's that's amazing to produce that many issues while working remotely and not being together, because I would assume that producing a magazine, producing each issue of the magazine has to be rather collaborative to some degree, because there's so many different departments and parts of the magazine. And I, I would think that there would be a lot of um, collaboration happening between the different editors and the people working on different stories. Absolutely. You know, you all, you all, you know, you, you, you put things up on the board and people come by and, you know, you always want to listen to someone's opinion because you have to, you know, everyone sees things differently. And uh, 
So I miss, you know, I miss kibitzing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm very opinionated. And, uh, but, you know, I just love the energy of an office and seeing people interact. And, you know, it's, it's, there's something exciting uh, about that, you know. But uh, it's working. And uh, hope, let's hope it's not forever. It right. can't be forever, as we know. But uh, the thing is, it can be done. The only thing that can't be done at this moment is, uh, you know, we're not we're not going on shoots at this time, so we're doing. You know, fortunately, I have shot a lot of projects last year, and you know, I'm looking at projects from designers, and if something comes in, whether it's through a designer or a photographer, that's well photographed and feels like. Uh, house beautiful and feels like it has my touch you know it, it, it we we will we will accept the project and that's that's i think a lot of other publications are doing that right now as well where you're accepting photography that's ready to go right right right, right, right. yeah it's interesting to see i mean you've been in this industry for so long the evolution even outside of covid of how mm. um how things are produced and obviously as there are fewer magazines unfortunately as there once were that also means that there are fewer places for designers to send their projects and so it becomes um more challenging and competitive if you will to um to actually get a project published so for those listening could you give us maybe a tidbit, a piece of advice as to how to make one's project stand out or what you specifically are looking for at House Beautiful? Well, I think I think when when someone uh, sends me a story, if it's photographed professionally, it has to tell a story. It has to have a surprise. You want to embrace the reader. You want that reader to walk into that room. You want to be inspired. You want to give that that reader a message. And uh, and I you know I think as time goes on where, as you said, there are less and less magazines. So more and more designers are photographing their work, A, for their portfolio, for uh, a book. Eventually, they'll be doing a book. Uh, so that's, that, that's what's going on, I think, out there. But I do feel if you can afford a good photographer, it is worth it for you, the designer, to have that for your for your records, for your portfolio, uh, for your website, to present to a client, this is my work, this is how I do things. And uh, it's a wow factor, and I think it's a win-win for the designer. Uh, do I love going on shoots? Do I like to see things? What I think an editor does when an editor comes into a home, he or she sees things differently and has a different point of view of how they want to showcase or lay out that house. Doesn't mean when you go into a, a room, you have to photograph the whole room. There could be one section that is a great moment of a room that says something, that says a message. Uh, and I think that to me is part of the surprise and part of the story, part of the journey in each portfolio that we're that we're presenting uh, in in the magazine when we when we do our well stories, I mean sometimes I say oh I only got six pages or or I got ten pages, 
you know, sometimes if a project is six pages and it feels right and you're really getting the sense of that space, that's all you need, you know? Sometimes mm -hmm. I think stories go on for too long. If it's a huge house, that's one thing. But I think some of the greatest stories I've done been uh, six pages or, or eight pages that really tell the story. Right. Well, you're such a gifted editor and, and you produce the shoots that you produce are so beautiful. I, I feel tough. like, <laughs> well, but it's true. It's one thing as a designer to create the space, design the space and, you know, you shoot your scouting photography or your photography for your, your own portfolio and your website. But when you have someone who has an editor's eye like yourself come in and provide, um, you know your your point of view and your perspective in terms of the styling it really can bring a space to life it makes a tremendous difference well i i always say when i go on a shoot and especially it's a young designer and he or she has their point of view and i always say look i am here to represent you and i know what i need for my magazine but the bottom line is trust me i'm going to make you look really good and show you how we can push this project. And then you have, you know, you go into a home, uh, a designer who is well-established and, you know, yes, you bring in flowers and you move some things around and there's that, there's not that much to do, but I find the shoots more exciting and challenging where you have to work the room a little bit or move things around. It's like, and it, it, it just pushes the picture. It's like, let's push this to another place. Or, oh, I never thought about it that way. And I also think when you go on a shoot, it has to be a collaboration. It's between the editor, the designer, sometimes the homeowners there. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm very firm when I go on a shoot. And I always say to Joe, my boss, you know, got to roll up our sleeves and get the job done. I'm not here to hurt anyone or, or offend anyone. I'm here to get a story told and have a great point of view for each project we bring in. And each month, the well, it has to have a rhythm. Everything can't look the same. Mm -hmm. That's what makes that makes a magazine exciting, you know? And I think people long for a magazine. I mean, yet the whole thing is, uh, there's so much right now online, online, but what we're going through and even being up here in Rhinebeck, there's not that many magazine stores, but I long to pick up something and look at it and rip it out and think about it. You know, and I, I think, you know, what we're going through, uh, magazines are becoming more and more important. People, oh, no, there's going to be there. Yes, there are less and less magazines, but people long for magazines. And I think well, it's, it's not dying. I think there's going to be a rebirth. I hope so. I I agree with you. And I, I hope that that's true because I've always loved magazines. I'm a big proponent of magazines. And in spite of the fact that I have um, used various digital platforms to some degree of success in, in my own career, I love the tangible aspect of an actual book or a magazine and flipping through it, that experience of flipping through the magazine and really reading the stories and tearing out the pages, like mm -hmm. you said, and adding those to a pin board or an inspiration uh, right. mood board or that sort of thing. That's a, a really, I think, valuable exercise for someone in a right. creative field. Right. 
and I still love hard hardbound books. I love a paperback or hardbound book. I, I don't actually read on my iPad or anything, no. which people find surprising. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. But look, even at work, I mean, I have uh, a huge wall that's probably 12 feet long. And all I do is staple inspiration up from, ma from magazines and books and whether it's fashion or just product. It, 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 and everyone, you know, in the office looks at this collage of inspiration. It's, it's to help people see things differently or to see how I see things and to inspire my staff. Definitely. Well, as we talk about, you know, your post at House Beautiful, that makes me think about your long trajectory in <laughs> the world of publishing. So let's rewind a little bit. Have you always known that you were destined to work in design in some, some capacity? Uh, yeah, I, I, I went to uh, the high school of fashion industries, which is where FIT started. FIT started really on West 23rd Street, on uh, West 24th Street, sorry, uh, the top two floors of the High School of Fashion Industry is where FIT first started, and then they moved to 27th Street. So I did four years uh, of high school there, and I wanted to become a fashion designer. And it's like, oh my God, I have to sew, I have to make patterns, <laughs> and which I did. And then one day I said, mm, and one of my counselor said, you know, would you like to try a course in like window display and advertising? And I took interior design course. And so, you know, my first job was a dream job. I worked for Henry Bendel, the real Henry Bendel. That was mm -hmm. uh, a store on West 57th Street under the guidance and genius of Geraldine Studs, who was, she was the the girl of her day and uh, Bendel's was a very, very special place. It was a small townhouse and mm -hmm. uh, you walked in, there was a street of shops. It's like walking down the street of Paris. Every shop had a different uh, uh, entrance way and wonderful music. And the whole first floor was a bazaar, you know, from housewares to perfume, from shoes to a men's shop, hosiery, potpourri, uh, gifts, handbags, food. It was just, uh, it was really truly a one of a kind store. And in, in my opinion, there has never been anything else like it. The only thing to me that comes a little touch like that was Takashimaya, uh, because that was really a specialty store, you know. Uh, it was, it, it was, it, it was a, it was a, a time that will never come back, you know, because retail has changed. But when I think of Dover Street, Comme des Garçons, downtown on Lower Lexington Avenue, that is a store that is like a gallery and it's always changing. And that to me is the modern Henry Bendel. It has a point of view and Henry Bendel had a point of view and we had the best windows in the entire city. And, you know, we were known for our windows and the windows were like street theater. It was shocking. They were daring. They were happy. People used to come at night and watch us through the windows. Uh, you know, I mean, I did my own makeup. I had a great staff doing hair. And it was just, you know, every window told a story. 
And, you know, I also designed shops within the store, went to Europe uh, on buying trips. Uh, it was a really wonderful way of growing up for 11 years. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. It's like, I got the job <laughs> and here I was working for like one of the best stores with all these wonderful exotic ladies. And it was just a dream job, you know? How fabulous. It almost sounds a little bit like theater. It was, uh, it was theater. And in fact, Geraldine Stouts, who was the president uh, and who became a very, very good friend of mine for 33 years until the day she died, she always wanted to be an actress. This was her stage and we were mm. her performers. And one thing I did learn, which I've always kept in the back of my heart is you never say we, you always say, you never say me, you say we. No, no one does this all alone. No one puts a store together. No one puts a magazine together. It's a group effort. You have to allow everyone to have an opinion. Whether you agree with them or not, you just need to let people contribute. And you never know what's going to come out of it. That's exactly right. That is so true. Do you have um, a fond memory from that time that you could share with us? Any kind of sort of fun story from your time at Bendel's? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, seeing Barbara Streisand come in and go into the, one of the dressing rooms with racks and racks of clothes. And then one day, Diana Ross, and I always have been a big Supreme fan, Diana Ross came in and wanted to meet me, and she wanted to know where I bought all the wigs for the windows. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That that's amazing. Was it was fun. You know, Leo, seeing, you know, it was the place to go. We would have customers come in four times a week, these ladies, you know, ladies who lunch and shop. You know, I mean, we had people from, you know, you know Lauren Bacall to Jackie O to Jack Nicholson and, you know, and on and on. It was, it was, it was a magical place. How wonderful. How do you feel that that experience prepared you to go into the editorial uh, world? I think what happened was after being there for 11 years, I always loved fashion and we're going a little bit back. So don't embarrass me. L, L, <laughs> L fashion was going to launch in the U S and they were looking for an accessory editor. And I took a chance and I met the people and they hired me. So there I was going from dressing windows and being very much involved in fashion and accessories because, you know, I had the great uh, freedom to pick the clothes that I wanted and the accessories, you know, of course, like you know, from time to time, oh, you know, this week we need to launch Sonia Ricciel or Jean Muir or Comedy Garçon or Ralph Lauren. But how I put the clothes together and accessorize them, I had total freedom. Uh, so I felt like going to El Decor, going to El Fashion was a great way into entering the world of magazines. And, you know, at that time, it was owned by Hachette. It was a collaboration between Murdoch and Hachette. And they were all French people. So it was like, oh, my God, and all these girls. And everybody wanted the same thing. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a great experience. It, and at that time, 
accessories were dead. One thing about L fashion was L was about accessorizing and overdoing it. And I'm going to age myself, but this that was over 25 years ago. <laughs> well, how would you say that working at a fashion magazine differs from working at a shelter publication? Or are there more similar similarities than one would imagine? Well, I'm being well, number one, being accessory editor, it's it's like covering the markets, the whole for you know, what you're looking sure. at. Sure. The front of the book. Fabric, wallpaper, uh, for, you know, any, anything and everything, every kind of accessory that you put into the home. Uh, so to me, it really, it didn't really matter. It was being creative and artistic and looking at beautiful things. And, you know, at L, at L Fashion, I was also able to do my own accessory pages besides, you know, bringing in all the accessories for all the shoots and helping all the editors, you know, get ready for their shoots. Right. Would you say that the people in the home space are a little gentler than those in fashion? I would say yes, because, <laughs> you know, people used to fight <laughs> over shoes and bracelets. Why did you give that to her? Why did you give that to him? And like, really? It's a shoe. I'll get you another pair of shoes. <laughs> that's so funny well in addition to l fashion you've also worked at harper's bazaar and then as you transitioned into the home space or shelter publications you spent time at architectural digest as well as house beautiful and l decor and most recently you've been style director of house beautiful for a couple of years right, now right. what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in your time in sh uh, shelter magazines I think it's, it's about meeting all the designers and looking at everybody's different point of view. And what I do love ab about House Beautiful is we love to seek out young, fresh talent and see what they're saying. And I've also become quite friendly with some of them and really helping them, helping them knowing it from the very beginning, looking at someone's portfolio and saying, this work is not good or you're, or you're not ready. And they'll go, what do you mean? Well, it looks like a hotel room or it's, which it's not my, my advice to a lot of young designers before you go out on your own should work for a designer and put, put in some time, really know what it's like. And I think that's the best advice that I can give someone. And I love, you know, helping people and, and guiding people. And, you know, there was a designer that I, well, a few of them that I'm young that I've become quite friendly with. And just to see how they have evolved and how well they're doing, to me, that's, that's so rewarding, you know, when people listen and you could give back. You know, you have, you have right. to give back when I think I've been very fortunate in my career. And for me, the joy is always giving back and helping and seeing someone make it. Even when someone has an assistant and, you know, I had an assistant, Sarah, who, you know, she started coming on shoots with me and then she started doing videos like, Sarah, you need to go on shoots by yourself. And when you see people grow, I love that. 
because you know listen there has to be the next generation to do this i mean i i do hope to work for a a, a lot more time i'm not finished people say when are you going to retire it's like i'm not i i you know it's it, this is just an exciting time you know the world is a different place uh and it's just i want to evolve and just learn new things you know i'm doing videos I'm doing, you know, all different kinds of things. And that that's exciting, you know? Absolutely. Well, I think your your desire to help and foster new talent says a lot about your character. The fact that you see yourself in some way as a mentor. And I can certainly speak from personal experience that you've been so incredibly kind and supportive well, of me. And that support has made yeah. a big difference um, in my career and to me personally. So thank my you. My pleasure. Did we, did, we, did we talk about my 13 years at Tiffany's? I mean, that we haven't talked about Tiffany's. Let's talk about Tiffany's. Different, uh, you know, I was in the middle of, you know, working for different magazines. And then someone called me from Tiffany's. Would you like to design the windows? And I went, mm, okay, let's talk. And then, you know, I basically created my own job. I, I went in as vice president of creative services worldwide. And, you know, that was a very corporate job. And, but then again, you know, they allowed me to tell them what they needed from case line presentation to uh, working on archival events, uh, making the stores look a little bit more fresher and still having the grace and glory of Tiffany. Um, uh, and I think one of the best things in the 13 years that I worked there, I had a great partnership and relationship with Elsa Peretti, who, you know, you talk about timeless design. I think her designs may be coming up to be 40 years old and, and, and they, 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 they still seem fresh. Although every now and then she does come up with something new but when you go back to what Elsa Peretti was about, the teardrop and the bone and the flat and, right. and the, the bone candlesticks and her exoticness and the belts. And, you know, when you talk about it, it's timeless design. So when you go and think of, well, timeless, when you open a book today and you look at something that Angelo Dangia did or Albert Hadley, you are still inspired by someone who's done things of the past. And I think, you know, going back to, you asked me the question about fashion, I think fashion and home relate so well. I mean, in this time, we are spending more time in our homes. We're seeing things differently. Oh, why didn't I ever do that? Or let's try this, or let's try that. It's, it's you know, your home reflects who you are and how you dress and what you think and how you set the table. It's all part of the package, you know. Uh, fashion for your body and fashion for your home. It's all connected one way and one way or other. And I think even more so now. And you know, the thing is like, if you have a vision and a point of view, you don't have to spend a lot of money. I mean, style, great style is not about spending a lot of money. You know, you could put on a pair of blue jeans and a beautiful shirt and the most pair of beautiful shoes and a blazer and, you know, walk down the block and feel like a million dollars, you know? It's 
Right. It's all yeah, about how you put it you together. It's the way you wear your hat, as I say, you know? So it's all. And listen, <laughs> you, 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 you have to have fun in what you do. And yes, I have a great passion for design and what I do. And I'm very serious about what I do. But, you know, underneath it all, you know, I have a wicked sense of humor and I'm laughing because I enjoy what I do. I enjoy going into someone's home. I enjoy doing shoots. I enjoy doing the flowers and making that place and that person after I leave feel good and the designer feel good. And we're all proud of what we're doing, you know. And listen, we're all so lucky to work in this industry and do what we do. Absolutely. Especially for anyone who has made a transition from another career outside right. of a creative space to now work in, in something that they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. The difference is, mm -hmm. is tremendous. Well, as an editor, part of your job, you, we've talked about timelessness, but part of your job as an editor is to report on things that are new, things that are fresh, and that word that I don't love trends, you know, magazines have to report on everything that that's new and exciting and what's, right. what's happening right now. How do you balance that with your own timeless point of view? Because your style has such an innate elegance, your personal <laughs> style, and obviously you have an elevated level of taste. And that may not always be the same as what you're seeing out in the market. So how do you reconcile well, those two I, things? I've been very fortunate that Joel Saltz came to me one day. She said, you know, how do you feel about the market and how could we make it different? And we were all sitting around with Carisha and Joe and I don't know who said it or, I, and you know, here I'm doing this Rufino report once a month and it's, you know, I have total freedom, free, total freedom to do things as I see them from my point of view. And there's a high and low, and it's how things are, are, are put together and the mix of it. Uh, and, you know, like I was, uh, in January, I went to Paris for the fabric and wallpaper sh uh, uh, week. And, you know, I saw so much stuff and, and accessories and this, this and that, and, you know, and I came back and, you know, I did this, double page story of fabrics and, and, and beautiful wallpapers and, and, you know, and different objects. It, it's just how one puts it together. I mean, you know, most magazines, we all know, do uh, product, just, you know, pictures of product. But what I love what I'm doing now is in each month, I'm telling a story putting together a beautiful still life. And it has nothing to do with price. It has to do with someone's point of view and someone's eye. And there are things that, you know, I have to report on that are out there, but I also have to put in what I'm all about, whether throwing in a pair of my tortoiseshell glasses that I've worn for the last 30 years or a bag that I believe in that looks good, that fits in with the story. So in that way, you know, I'm fortunate to do this Rufino report because it's basically about my point of view on things uh, at the same time reporting what is new in fabric or wall covering or tabletop. But, you know, you always have to give it a little bit of twist. 
And I feel very grateful that I have this column now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, it's so fun to read. I'm loving the Rafino report. And it feels very much like you said, like a yeah. mood board, there's a definite point of view and a story. It's not a, no. a bunch of different random yes. objects sort of strewn together. There's a certain point of view. I'm going to get my hand slapped for saying this, but the September that's coming <laughs> up, I am beyond so thrilled with it because it's on someone who is an icon who I admire. And the frustrating part was, oh my God, I can't shoot it. What am I going to do? Because I can't call all this furniture in. The, the office is closed. We're not working. We know we're working from home. And what we did, I'm not going right. to tell you who the designer is, but what we did is like, I said, you know what? I'm going to hire an illustrator to illustrate how I see this. If I was going to put this together and, and set up this tableau, this is what we're going to do. And it, it was, it was so, it was so refreshing to work with an illustrator and to see my, my room come alive. And, you know, and then on the other side of the page is a grid of the actual products. And it's just a, a great, I think it's, it, it will be a great surprise and a gift to the reader. And you really feel, uh, like you're walking into that space when you when you see this. That's fantastic. And I think it's a really great lesson for all of us to remember as we're having to adapt to this new normal and we don't have all of the regular conveniences that we typically do at our fingertips by mm -hmm. going into our offices and being being able to produce work in the way that we typically do to be able to think outside of the box and do something creative right. to bring that vision to life. Who knows, you may decide in the future that you love doing it that way. And that bringing in the illustrator provides right. a different sort right. of layer right. Right. to the vision. Right. No, I, I agree. Listen, I, 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 I love illustration. I think it's, it's wonderful. I, re, I grew up in New York. I remember this is a great story. I remember being in London. I was at Tiffany and I was very fortunate to work on Elsa's 35th anniversary at the British Museum exhibition. And I did a lot of parties in London for her and we traveled to many different countries to celebrate. But anyway, one of Elsa's guests was Jeremiah Goodman. And but she said, you guys should know each mm -hmm. other. And I just like went, oh, my God. I said, I have a folder since I was a teenager because he did all the illustrations for Lord & Taylor when Lord & Taylor had a furniture department. And long story, short story, he lived three blocks from me uh, in New York, and we, we became fast and wonderful friends. And that was a great moment. Like, you know, it's like go back and think what people did where illustration was such a thing, you know? It works sometimes, it's not gonna work for a whole magazine, but it's, it, 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 it's, it's sure. for me, I hope it inspires people to see things from a different point of view. And I think- Well, and I think that's and the important I think, lesson I, and there I also for sure. Think for House Beautiful, since Joe has taken over and we, like every magazine, we are a small staff. And, you know, we've taken, big steps and the magazine has turned around so 
incredibly well and people are respecting it. And, you know, I get calls from designers that I thought I, you know, I'm friendly with all the designers, but can I be in your magazine or wow, I love what you guys are doing. I love your voice. And, you know, it's like, it's great when you do and when you work hard and you start to reinvent, I mean, House Beautiful, as we know, has a very long history. It's one of the oldest American magazines, but to give it a rebirth and still respect who it is and what it is, times have changed, of course. It can't be what it was 100 years ago or 50 years ago, because the way people live and the way people think. But I think we're reporting on great taste from all different walks of life, you know, from high and low, you know. To me, to walk up five flights and open a door and go, oh my God, this is a magical place. I, that's what I love about finding projects where you don't know where it's going to come from or when you open that door. I, I photographed a little house upstate. If you saw the house outside, you would go, oh, my God. You <laughs> opened it, and it was an Asian woman who I've known forever, and this was not for House Beautiful. But anyway... She worked at Estee Lauder because at one point in my life, I did all the ad campaigns for Estee Lauder when Paulina, the famous model, was the, uh, the face of Lauder. And she was one of the executives there. And I ran into her on the street. She said, can I send you my, my, my house? I went, sure. But you opened the door and you were inside a Japanese temple. It was like, wow. You know, wow. Like you would never know. And that's the exciting thing, you know discovering and you know but you know you also have to do a lot of research to find these stuff to find good things and and constantly be on top of people or who's the next good designer or or who's that designer who's been around forever who has a new look and has a new expression right well as you mentioned honoring the heritage of a magazine that's yes, over yes. 120 years old and making it feel mm -hmm. relevant mm -hmm. for today and fresh and exciting mm -hmm. for the way that people no. live today is no small feat. And, you know, people can be resistant to change when, when things um, take on mm -hmm. a different approach than they previously had. And so that of course is not always easy to to face or deal with but i think what the magazine is doing what you all are doing at the magazine has been really exciting and is very inspiring it, it looks and feels great and it reminds me hearing you talk about this and how the magazine has to stay relevant for the way that people live today it can't yeah. feel the same as it did 10 5 20 years ago however long ago it makes me think about some of the wonderful an established decorators mm -hmm. that I've interviewed for the podcast who will talk about, you know, sure, it's amazing and wonderful. And you absolutely should bring antiques into one space, but you have to make things exactly. feel relevant for today. Or you can refer back to an Albert Hadley interior or a David right. Hicks interior or something that Sister Parrish did or Siri Mogham or any one of these people, but to, um, to, 
basically copy it as it was doesn't make sense for today. You have to find a way to reinterpret, put your own stamp on it and make it I, make I it work like, in 2020. Oh, who's going to use floral chintz? Well, there's a way of doing it if it's done the right way. In, in a modern space, and if the room is all white and stark and you slip cover everything in a floral chintz for summer or spring, it just gives it a different edge. Just, you know, the whole idea of, you know, a room full of antiques doesn't work anymore. All that brown furniture doesn't work anymore. But if you mix things like the way I live, you know, I live very spare and I have a combination of, you know, French antiques and some modern. And, you know, I always, when I get up in the morning, when I'm living in New York and come out of my bedroom, I go into my living room as a and I check out my salon because I feel like it's a salon. Oh, I live here. This is so nice. But, you know, I'm very comfortable. <laughs> That's who I am, you know. But it feels modern. And there are some things that are there from the past. And that's, it, it's a new way of living. It's a new way of, of thinking, you know. It's e even the way we dressed. You know, when I worked at Tiffany's, I wore custom suits and the Windsor knot and cufflinks and and, you know, I go to put on a suit now and go, oh, my God. So, you know, I, I wear my, you know, I still wear a beautiful double-breasted pinstripe blazer or shirt and tie. I love wearing cufflinks. But, you know, I live in blue jeans and beautiful shoes. Or, you know, even if I wear dress pants, I wear a jean jacket and a vest. Yeah. Not saying I'm not going to put, put mm -hmm. on a tuxedo and ask you out to dinner one night. But, um, you know, it's it just it's it's a whole different way of how we live and how we think and where we are in our life, you know. Right. Well, you're always <laughs> impeccably dressed. As you were saying that before, you mentioned the jean jacket. I was picturing you in in charcoal pinstriped trousers with your oh. jean jacket. You but, always you know, look but, so but stylish. The thing is, it's it's like <laughs> one's home. You're, you have to live in your clothes just because you're wearing a $3,000 blazer, you know, or your home. Like, you know, when people, someone came to my house, my apartment once, oh, my God, you let your dog sit on your sofa? It's like, yeah, I do. You know, it's not a show. It's not a showroom. It's it, it's real life. Live, live right. in your live in your house, or oh, I I I only use those dishes on special occasion, or or I can't use that good silverware. You know, when I'm home alone at night, you know, and sitting watching TV, you know, I take a different dish, a beautiful napkin. I you have to enjoy your your stuff, whether you're alone for that evening or you're entertaining someone. It's there to enjoy, live it, live with it, enjoy it. Get, put some patina on it, you know? That's right. Yeah, homes yes, are yes. meant for living. They're not museums. Well, I've actually been enjoying setting the yes. table yeah. with different plates and glasses yes. and, and napkins during no. this time because no. we haven't been going out to dinner like we typically do. We haven't gone to restaurants. So that gives me a little, a exactly. little change of scenery exactly. in some small way. <laughs> Robert, what would you say are your indispensable well, design elements? Well, I think when you elements? move into an apartment, you really, really, you have to invest in a good paint job. I'm a big stickler. The walls have to be perfect. The molding has to be painted really well. The floors have to be done or a beautiful floor covering. You know, invest in a, if, if, if you're starting out or, or even not starting out, 
I think you really have to have a good sofa. You really have to have a good bed. Uh, you know, you don't have to have so much stuff, but you know, a good coffee table is important. A beautiful pair of lamps. Uh, I think that's very important, you know, um, to have what you choose. I rather, going back to fashion, I rather have five good cashmere sweaters than 25. So if I'm going to invest in a piece of furniture, I want, you know, if, if you can't afford the top of the line, just get something of good quality that's going to last for, for time, then just to get something to fill the space. And I think it's important to buy things of good quality and quality comes at all different prices. You know, again, it's how you put things together. Sure. Well, they, you know, they well, say cheap things end yeah, exactly. up being expensive like, you know, because they have to be replaced. Like, I mean, of course, you know, as time goes on, we reupholster our sofas or we slip cover them or we get a new mattress, but you know, it's better to have things of quality. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Is there a rule in design that you absolutely live by? A rule in design I absolutely live by. Um, I just, I, 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 you're I a just think you, I don't believe in trends for the home. Oh, I just was here, so we're going to change that. Stick to who you are. And, and what you're most comfortable with. Your home is a reflection of who you are from start to finish, where you travel, what you see, how you collect art, why you buy that, why. Things, things in your home should be things that really mean something to you, treasures that you found. I mean, I go to a lot of homes, whether I'm going to photograph them or not, they're like showrooms. And like, oh my God, some of this, like a museum, you know? No. Right. And I'm sure you can tell instantly which ones were, which ones right. feel really right. decorated and which ones have been right. and, put and together listen, over time, collected designer. over time. Some designers, that's their look and that's what the client wants. But does it make good pictures? No, I don't want to go and photograph it that it looks like a show house and I think I think the whole thing is when we look at more and more show houses I think they're becoming more and more real it looks it feels like someone is lived there or someone is living there it's not a show house people want to be inspired and not feel like oh I want my room to look like that well it can't look like plastic it has to feel real it has to be comfortable it's it still could be the best taste and chic and whatever word you want to use but i think you just have to uh, you have to live your life and live a well good life in 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 the place you live in you know right. exactly it has to Listen, feel authentic it, to you I may go to and your taste and your experiences wow, this is great but i could never live in it but i could understand why that person lives that way and and appreciate that, you know, every, every house or apartment tells a different story. And uh, so I don't know, uh, do I have any rules? I just like, my rule is to be true to yourself. And, you know, listen, I will forever wear a pinstripe suit or gray flannel because that's who I am. And that's what I identify. So 
the way I live home, I don't change my living room every six years. I mean, I may add something, I may take away something, but it's, it's, it's who I am. It's my, it's that, that is the person, the person who lives there is the person who I truly am. And, uh, you know, I'm going to laugh. Oh, you're so elegant and all that. It's like, you know, it's, I just laugh because, you know, I don't see myself that way, but, um, you know, you're dapper and you're this and you're that, you know, it's, I don't think about it. You know, I don't think about, oh, I'm going to wear this. I get up in the morning, I get dressed and I don't, I, I just believe in what I believe in and, and I enjoy what I do and what I wear. And it's part of my, my, my person. That's right. And that's why it works because it's authentically no. you. It's not, you're not putting on a costume. You're not trying to impress any, anyone. It truly is you wearing the things that you love and filling your home Agreed. with the things that you love. To thine own self be true. The best rule. That's for sure. Okay. Where do you turn for inspiration so these days? Where do we go? Well, right now I'm up in Rhinebeck and just walking, <laughs> walking and dreaming. We kept up, uh, you know, take these beautiful walks on this trail every day. And I think I'm in the countryside of Ireland. <laughs> I really do. There's a, there's a trail here that's absolutely beautiful, but, uh, you know, inspiration, it comes from all over it. It, it, you know, when you're traveling, obviously going to a museum, even looking the way people dress, it reflects how people live at home. Uh, you know, museums, art galleries, movies, old movies, you know, especially old movies, uh, old, you know, designer books, whether they be new or old, go back and look at books by Mr. Hadley or Billy Baldwin or Sister Parrish or, you know, the way Yves Saint Laurent lived and, 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 and some of these great uh people who had great style, not necessarily designers, you know, uh, take someone like Dorothy Draper. You know, I was just at the Greenbrier uh, early in March, but Mr. Varney took me there for a weekend. And it was like, oh my God, it was so inspirational because it was timeless, you know? And I came back just feeling, wow, you know? Chintz and floral never look so good, you know, in large stripe, you know, how, so how do you do that in a modern way, you know? And, you know, the, the first person who came to me or a few people was, you know, Nick Olson or uh, Miles Red, you know, or Mary McDonald. They, they, they're not, I think they were influenced by someone like Dorothy Draper. You talk about theater, you know, and making an entrance in a room. It's like, wow. I love that, you know, so, so, you know, I, certainly I'm constantly looking all over, you know, um, I'm inspired even when I go to the flower market, you know, <laughs> you just have to keep your eyes open all the time because you don't know what's going to inspire you, you know, uh, 
That's true. Inspiration is everywhere. It, it's there for our taking, regardless of where we are, or what our current circumstances. There's it's always trained, inspiration it, it, it's, around it's us. It's about training your, your eye, eye and to that's see. That's the most important thing. There's no, another funny story that's not inspirational. It was, it was 1996. It was my first year at uh, Tiffany's. I started in June. The gun was, what, the gun, not the gun, sorry, the pressure was on. We haven't had a real new Christmas in years. And, so it was a hot August. I had all these garlands coming up to the third floor. This is way before that we renovated the store. And there was a porter there, Mr. Perez. He must have been 80. And we had all these garlands up. And everyone was like, you know, talking. And my staff, we were looking which one. I said, Mr. Perez, what do you think of this? Whatever that man said at 80 years old, who was not sophisticated, who could barely speak English, I listened to him, you know, I was inspired by what he had to say. It's like, wow, I never thought of that. Gee, interesting. So, you know, it's also mm. inspiration. There's also, you have to be open, you know, going on a photo shoot, someone will look in the camera, whether it's the designer or a photo assistant. It's like, you can't say, oh, it's, it's my way or no way, because that doesn't work. You know, it's a collaboration. And you have to be, I mean, inspiration to me comes from people, you know, and what people say and what people think and how we look sure. at things and how we see things, you know, uh, and always keeping your eyes open because you don't know where it's coming from. Uh, but listen, traveling is, is a great luxury, you know, and going to different countries and going into different homes. Uh, that's really, really inspiring it really is i couldn't agree more oh, once we're able to travel again see. where would you most like to go uh, i'd like to go to laos one day i have a friend who lives there who keeps inviting me i'd like to go back to venice one day maybe africa <laughs> yeah oh wonderful yeah. Anywhere sounds good yeah. to me right now. I'm getting a little stir crazy at home yeah. at this point. <laughs> I think it's but, the but, longest but I've been. I've stayed put for a very long time. My shop is open. Yes, we opened our shop back up mm -hmm. in um, in May, in mid May, just about, and that's been, it's been great. People are surprisingly people are coming in it's a little busier than i expected it to be i think people are getting frustrated being at home but it makes me worry a little bit because i would hate to see us um well, have that, another that, like, spike that, that, in the virus and talk about the virus so much, but that gets me very nervous where you know it's getting hot people are they going to wear their masks or are they going to wear their gloves uh and just people giving up and say okay i had enough of it so it's 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 hard, you know, and we just have to be more careful for for ourselves and for others as well, you know. I agree. I've actually been shocked because we've started taking a few meetings here and there with existing clients. We're working on quite a few new construction projects and bigger things that require attention and all kinds of meetings. So we've been doing that and up until about this past week, everyone had been wearing masks and was practicing good social distancing. But I've been really surprised to walk in yeah. 
a couple of times this week to two yeah. different meetings, actually. And I'm the only one wearing a mask yeah. and acting like yeah. there's anything going well, on. It's kind of keep shocking. wearing the mask. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm better safe than sorry. That's for certain. Well, obviously, we're recording this during the coronavirus pandemic, and we've talked about it a little bit. What will you take forward with you as a lesson learned during this time? That we have learned to work a different way, and it can work if it had to work. But I don't think this could work forever because we need to go out and see things and touch things and interact with people um, and just be, I think people need to be more graceful and generous and kind and be aware of one thing, one great thing, that life is a great gift. And if you are sick or get this virus and you don't make it, it's very sad. And that we can't take life for granted, that we are all here for a certain amount of time. And I am tired of bitterness and people being angry at one another and people not being kind. You know, I may not, I, you know, you don't have to be my best friend, but just be nice. That's all. Just try a little kindness because in the, at, at the end of the day, exactly. life is too short and we in this country have a lot to be thankful for. That's so true. And I think in some mm -hmm. way, a bit of civility mm -hmm. has been lost and people are so quick to be nasty and judgmental and divisive with one another. And I think that has really shown itself during this time, oh. actually, with all the things going on in our country. And I, I've just sort of of the of the belief you that have, if you don't have anything I mean, nice to say, you just you move on. You don't say anything. And they're and, like, be, I say, excuse me. No, 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 no. Now is not the time. And how dare you in this time be bitter over nothing to someone? I said, no, 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 no. Just move on. Forgive and forget. And you may you may not want right. to forget what they did to you or what they said but you know what at the end of the day it's not worth it stop it and i i just won't listen to it I, I well in the in the end no, you just listen, my yeah, life you just my end time, up poisoning yourself I'm 40 or 50 or 60 or two, you know it's too important to waste time i i think what what this also is saying and is doing to a lot of people, time is precious. Do what you really want to do and stop the nonsense. You know, I only, you know, I want, I, I'm not going to go to dinner with exactly. six people who four of them I don't like just to go out to dinner or I'm going to go to this part. Like, no, it's not, I've, I've never done that anyway, <laughs> but just be nice and be grateful and be humble and be helpful to your fellow man. <laughs> Truer words, Robert, honestly, that's, that's, it's such a simple concept and sadly not everyone seems to understand well, or yeah, get on listen, board, think, but we can you know, only hope that someday they will. I'm going to say something. 
people say, oh my God, he's so intimidating and he's so this and he's, and he's a snob. It's like, and then when people get to meet me, they go, oh, you're really a teddy bear. It's like, guys, this is how I look. I can't change the way I look. That's, that's what, you know, God gave me and that's my <laughs> image to look the way I look. But, you know, it's like, just be nice. That's all. That's all. Just, and when you're, when you're kind to people, they go, oh my God, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's an odd time. The whole the sickness and everything we're going through with this racial thing, it breaks my heart. And we all, I always use this expression, we need to roll up our sleeves and work harder and be kinder. That's all. It's all, it's not, it's not a miracle. You that's know, exactly it's not a miracle. Right. That's exactly it's, it's it's we just have to do it. We have to do the work. That's so true. So true. Robert, if you could go back in time, is there a piece give of myself, advice that you would give your younger self? Back in time. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um You know the, the all right, I'm I'm I, the, the the funny thing is I don't realize how old I am okay that's number one and I think I'm always trying to what's next and what's next and what's next and you know some people retire in their 50s or in their 60s and I'm at uh, I just don't think that I think about regret I just think about how can I make it better today or and I had this discussion with some friends and I was like, oh, you know, I'm not done or I'm never satisfied. Let's say I'm never satisfied. It's like, okay, I've done that next. I've done that. I accomplished this next. And it's really not for to prove to anyone. It's to, it's, it's for me. How far can I climb? How far can I climb that ladder? How much can mm -hmm. I do? You know, I don't really regret anything. Uh, it's just enjoying each moment and we all make mistakes and we learn from them and, and we try to make it better, try to make ourselves better. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Well, and I can certainly relate to that because I, I agree. There's no, there's no reason to look back and regret, but to keep looking forward. I think that's the only way to really live life. And I can relate to your, um, comment about, you know, what's next. And it's not about being dissatisfied or never being happy with what you have in front of you at that moment. But being a doer and someone who loves to learn, you're always looking for a new way to challenge yourself yeah, and I mean, to prove to yourself exactly. that you can I mean, do the next going, thing. Going so it, it, yeah, you know, all the internet and da, 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 da. you know, I'm doing videos, I'm doing zoom talks, I'm, I'm doing all these different things and you can't not be afraid. You can't. And, and, and on the other hand, I'm doing all this and I'm teaching all these young kids different things or telling them about certain designers or, or how to set a table or how to do flowers or let's look in the camera why this is good and why that's bad, you know, and I'm getting the same thing from them. They're teaching me, you know. Right. That's wonderful. Oh, so Robert, as we wrap up this conversation, I'll ask you one last question. 
what is current what is currently giving you hope what in the world of design or otherwise <laughs> well i think uh what is giving me hope uh to have my eyes wide open to embrace fresh and new talent um and you know let's 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 talk about the whole black movement okay it's, you know, I grew up in New York. I grew up in the racial riots. I went to a high school of design where most of the, my classmates were black. I was the only white person in my class of 20 people for four years. And I, a lot of my friends were black, still remain to be black. Uh, and I, you know, I'm far from prejudice. Uh, it's just to embrace people who have not had the opportunity. We know there are a lot of black designers who have made it, but in the scheme of things, there's not a lot of black designers. So as a magazine and as a reporter, we need to embrace the industry and bring them in more. And the ones that are at a lower level I think it's my duty to find them and how can I help you? You know, how let's do a photo shoot, let's do it together. Or, or even if, even if I'm, it's not gonna run in the magazine, how can I help you? Let me look at your project, you know, and hopefully it will run in the magazine. It's, it's going out and really giving back to a different, it's a different time, you know? It's a, it's a much different time. And whether you're black, yellow, green, or blue, we just need to embrace this horrible thing that we're going through. And it really upsets me, but it's, mm -hmm. it's my goal to work harder at it and mm -hmm. care more. And we are doing it right now at the magazine. We have, we've always done it. I mean, I must say in our March cover, Corey Jenkins, was the first black designer ever to be on the cover of House Beautiful. And we didn't even know that. But so that was to me, that, that gave me goosebumps and that poor wow. guy cried like a baby. It's like, wow. And you know, you've got to just treat people. That's amazing. Well, yeah. You've just got to treat people like people and everyone is equal. You know, doesn't mean that, you know, I live in this house and you live in that house, but you know, it's finding happiness and and being grateful for what you have. There's always going to be, listen, there's always going to be someone better than me, someone more talented than me, someone taller than me, someone who dresses better than me. That's fine, you know, but we're all in this together to make it a better place and to make this industry shine, you know. When, when I go back, you know, and I, I think of, uh, people who have influenced me or, or I, or people I look up to, you know, I look up to someone like, not, not an interior designer, but someone like Giovanni, who had elegant taste and who was gentle and kind, or uh, Mrs. Angeli, you know, one of the swans, who was extremely private and rich, but had an elegance mm -hmm. and had a heart. And you have to have a heart. If you don't, then you don't belong here, or you don't, or you don't belong in my world. Um, so that's right. 
That's absolutely right. Well, on that note, Robert, in your words, it's time to roll up our sleeves because we have a lot of work to do as an industry and as a people. And I think your advice of looking into oneself and remembering to be kind and treat others with kindness and love and, is the most important and, lesson uh, that and, you know, anyone can I'll remember. So thank day, you so you much. Know, it's all about being original and being true to yourself. You know, I go back to my obsession with Mrs. Vreeland, you know, uh, I mean, you know, wearing that rouge and those lips, and, but she was, she was true mm-hmm. to herself, you know, she didn't look to her right or her left. She looked straight ahead and she believed in what she believed in. And that's what we have to keep doing. You have to believe what you believe in, but you also have to embrace other people and help them. You know, as, as I said earlier, I feel very fortunate to have all that I have and to have these jobs and have, and have had this journey and I'm not finished. And that's what makes me tick. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. There's, you've got a lot of, of inspiration to give the rest of us <laughs> for many, many years to come. Robert, you're Thank a you true original, time. and I'm so glad that we Thank could you have so this much. chat. Have Thank you weekend. so much for sharing your wit and your insights. Bye-bye. Absolutely. That was Style Director of House Beautiful, Robert Ruffino. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to visit us online at thestylefilespodcast.com where you can find more episodes featuring inspiring conversations with creatives. If you're enjoying The Style Files, be sure to subscribe via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.